Our reading this morning is from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that a runner may read it, for there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come, for it will not delay. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, our reading from the Gospel is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He is going to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. There is a story told in Edward Hayes' book, In Pursuit of the Great White Rabbit. It is a story from ancient Christianity about a young monk who goes to visit uh, an elder monk in the monastery. And the young monk has noticed that some people come to the monastery and stay for a month or maybe a year, and then they leave. And others come and are there for a lifetime. And so the young monk asks, why do you think this is? And the young monk, the older monk, is sitting on his porch with his old dog there. And he says, you know, one day my dog spotted a rabbit. And he took off in pursuit of this great white rabbit. And he was barking, and he was running, and the other dogs in the area started running and barking, and soon there was a pack of dogs running and barking and chasing after this poor little rabbit. That's my part. But they were running (laughs) and chasing the rabbit, and then little by little, some of the other dogs fell away. They grew frustrated, but the... The hermit's dog kept going, 
And he asked the young monk, he said, why do you think that they fell away? And he said, well, they got tired. They got fatigued. They got frustrated that they couldn't get the rabbit. Or, and the older monk said, no, it was only my dog that saw the rabbit and smelled the rabbit. The other dogs were just caught up in the commotion. They just got excited. And so they ran and they chased, but they didn't know what they were chasing. And he said, that is what it is like in our lives. That if we don't know what we're chasing, we will get frustrated and we will get tired. But if we are focused, if we've seen the great white rabbit... We will keep in pursuit. We will keep searching. And so he says that many monks come to the monastery and they get caught in the commotion, but they never really saw God. And once you see God, then you are in pursuit. You are on that journey. I think it's a wonderful allegory for thinking about our lives of faith because there are so many things that can distract us. Any of you see the movie Up, the the wonderful Pixar movie, Up? Anyone? Okay, great, great story, you know, great movie. But you've got this dog, Doug is his name, Doug the dog. And Doug is distracted by everything. He can be very focused and loving and whatever, but as soon as there's a squirrel, squirrel, and Doug is all over the place. And I think that's true in our lives a lot of the time, that we are in an age of rapid change, more change in our lifetimes than ever in the history of human history. We have at our disposal, probably in your pockets and on your person right now, maybe even in your hand, your smartphone that has incredible computing capability, and in just a few years it will be obsolete. You will ha- I, I had this sad occurrence this week where my laptop that has been so trusty and faithful died. Oh, I know. Can, can we just pause for a moment? Everybody, oh, yes. This happened to me last Sunday morning. I was so calm and cool and collected here, but my laptop was dying in my office. But I went to go take it to get repaired on Monday morning, and they told me it was obsolete. It wasn't that old. I guess it was old for a laptop. But, you know, this is what happens in our world. Everything is so, is changing so quickly. Between the internet and Facebook and the latest tweets and the latest whatever, there's a constant stream in our lives. There are so many things to distract us. Squirrels, 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 everywhere we look. Something to keep our focus turned elsewhere. And in the middle of that, we can become very confused and very distracted. We live in a time of great change. We live in a time of great change even in our own country and in our own church. So much happening in the United Methodist Church right now that is confusing, to say the least. And so we always go back. We go back to our pursuit, the great pursuit, the pursuit that we are about as a church, which is not all of this other commotion and all of that is happening, that is true. But we are focused always on the pursuit of God and God's love, 
God's grace, God's peace. We have, uh, we have two great names today. We have Habakkuk, not a great name, one of the Hebrew prophets, and Zacchaeus. Habakkuk, this is a, a wonderful prophet from uh, what was called the pre-exilic time. So in Israel's history, uh, you have things that are marked by before the exile and after the exile. The exile, you know, prior to this, Israel had been a, a strong and sound country in its, in its neighborhood and its region, and it began to decay, and it began to lose its vision, and it began to, to suffer from a... Um, from lots of ailments, but one, losing its vision. And in the middle of that came the great and powerful Babylonian empire uh, that carried Israel or its leaders into exile. And so we call that the exilic period, 587 before Christ. And in this, but before exile, the prophets of Israel were, were lamenting with the people. We're trying to call them back into relationship with God. We're trying to remind them of the call that God had placed on their lives. The first chapter of Habakkuk is this, this longing, this lament for how far we have strayed, how far we have gone from God, and how far we, we, we are not uh, in keeping with the vision. And then we have this beautiful beginning of the, the second chapter that the prophet says, I will stand on my watch post and I will station myself on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what he says to me, what the Lord has said. And the Lord will answer to me and say, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner running by can read the vision. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and it does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. We have uh, been asked by our bishop to be thinking about what is the vision for the church. Surely we as a church here at Riviera and in the United Methodist Church, we have, have said that our vision is to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Oh, no small vision right there. Making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the whole world. And how do we do that as a church I believe that our vision of a church as of a church is wrapped up, entirely wrapped up, I've said this over and over again, in the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so when I think of our vision of a church, I'm thinking of this community, this place where we come to worship God with our heart and our soul, and our mind, and our strength. And we do that. We come into worship, and we offer ourselves to God in prayer, and in song, and praise. We do that in the ways that we worship, and the ways that we study. We do that through, you know, coming to Bible studies, coming to classes, doing things that enrich our minds so that we might be sharp in our focus, and sharp in our vision of where God is leading us. And sometimes that is internal work. Sometimes that's working on our prayer lives and in our own spiritual lives where we have blocked God, where we have kept God at a distance, where we have decided that we'd rather not love our neighbor, that we'd rather put our neighbor in this category rather than this category. So some of that is our internal work and some of it is the work that we do out in the world 
and the ways that we love God by loving our neighbors? How do we extend the love and grace of this community out into the world? When I think about our vision for Riviera, I think of a community that we have already stated. I didn't bring up my bulletin with you, but in your vision statement, a community that loves God's people here in Redondo Beach and around the world, a church that that serves the community through music and art, through service and outreach, a church that is committed to, uh, to bearing witness to God's love and peace here in Redondo Beach, here on this little section of the Riviera, but also around the world. It starts within us with a clear sense of God's vision for us, God's great love for us, And then it sends us out as a community of faith into the world. The gospel story is from Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, uh, uh, of course, many of you know the song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man. Every time I say Zacchaeus, I can't help but sing the little song that I learned in Sunday school. Um, But Zacchaeus, here is this... uh, a tax collector, one who has, uh, who has reaped greatly from the occupation of a foreign government. He has made lots of money on this. And yet he is intrigued by this vision, this person of Jesus. He, he sees that God is doing something new, and so he seeks after Jesus. He gets up on a tree so he can see him, so he can learn something. And the beauty of the story to me is that Jesus sees him and calls him down and restores him to his community where his community had cast him outside and says he's a sinner, he's not like us. Jesus goes to his house and says, I am just like him. If you're looking for me, look for Zacchaeus. Look for those who have been left out. That's where I'll be. We look for this vision, this vision of the church. We are in a time of great distraction, great commotion, great upheaval, not unlike the people of Israel during the time of Habakkuk, not unlike the time of the disciples of Jesus as he's walking around, time of great change and transitions, but a time that calls us ever more to be focused on God. Because we have seen God like that great right rabbit, we are seeking him not in the commotion, not just in the barking and not just in the, in the scurry and not just in the upheaval of, oh, so much noise, but rather in a clarity of vision that we are heading toward the kingdom of God, that we are people who are committed to Christ, people who are committed to Christ's love for us and Christ's love for every other person in creation. Christ's love indeed for creation, for the world, for the created beauty that we sit in, that we are people who are bound to love one another in community, to seek to do that better each day, that we are people who are following where God's vision will lead us. God's vision never leads us to the past. God never calls us to go backward. God is always calling us forward always calling us outward, always calling us beyond ourselves out into a world of grace and peace to create 
and be God's community and to be God's kingdom. We are in a time here in our church year where we focus specifically on how we will be stewards of this vision, how we as a church will care for that vision. And in the middle of the commotion, it can seem like, well, gosh, we don't know. And yet I think that's where, you know, if you write the vision, if it seems to tarry, wait for it. We are in the middle of some changes in this church, in in our denomination, and in our country. But we know what the vision is. We know. We know what the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us about the love of God, teaches us about how to love God, how to be God's people, and that's the vision. Here at Riviera, we will continue to do that, and we will do that in better ways and more expansive ways. We will continue to be God's people here in Redondo Beach. I am personally excited for where God will lead us next. As we, uh, two weeks from today, we will begin uh, our, uh, we will have our consecration Sunday where we will think about how we will commit ourselves to God's vision here at Riviera and beyond. Uh, this, this coming week, you'll receive a letter in the mail and submit more information about the stewardship ministry of the church. It is a ministry. It is how we, how we function and resource ourselves for ministry. And so uh, I'll invite you to be thinking about that and how you might be a part of the vision of this church about where we are going and where God will call us to go. In my life of faith, I am always searching. I'm always seeking to where God will lead us next. There's a a quote by a a French uh, Christian philosopher whose name I can't even pronounce. I'm not going to try. But it says, if you want to build a ship... Don't drum up the men to gather the wood and divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. We are people who are about the vast and endless sea. Yeah, we can do all of the administration of a church organization, but that's not what we're about. We are about the mission of God, seeking after that the great vision that God is leading us to, the kingdom of God, as Jesus calls it, the kingdom where all are welcome, where we are called together to a place of community and wholeness, where we seek to love one another in fullness and we seek to carry that out into the world. And so we come each week and we worship and we center ourselves in that word so that we would know God in the midst of our souls and that we would bear witness to that in the way that we live our lives. I'm excited about God, where God will lead us next. Lots of distractions, lots of commotions. Stay focused. Focus on the vision of where God will lead us. Let us pray. God, in the midst of so much going on in our world, so much going on in the world of politics and in our social world and in our environment and in our technology and Even in our church, God, there's a lot going on. But you are always present in the middle of it. You are always present, giving us a sense of peace, giving us a sense of focus and intention, a vision, God, of where you will lead us. And so, God, where we feel distracted and uncentered, 
speak to us with your still, quiet voice. Where we have lost our ways, call us back to you. Where we need clarity, God, show us your vision. Help us, God, to give ourselves to the work of your love and peace in the world, to give ourselves to the work and ministry of our church, to give ourselves, God, to your love. For we ask it in the name of Christ who came to bear witness to that love. Amen.